0: Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. We are in week two of our New Year series We've titled Uphill Habits. And I mentioned this quote last week, but ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle said this. He said, we are what we repeatedly do. So if that's true, then as it would apply to our habits, you could, you could say this. You could say, we form habits, and then our habits form us. See, you, me, we're all the sum total of what we keep doing over and over and over. Now, if our, all of our habits were good, we'd be good. We'd be golden, right? But I think life experience for most of us is probably the opposite, that for most of us, probably our bad habits tend to outnumber our good habits. And one reason that we're doing this series is to hopefully help you change your habits in a good way, in a good way. And, and the big idea or the thesis of this series is in this statement here, most people have uphill hopes and downhill habits. Now, see, hope, hope's not a bad thing. It's just limited in what can, it can accomplish. Hope can be a good motivator in that it can get us started. It it can kind of jumpstart us. But I think experience for most of us is hope oftentimes kind of runs out of steam at some point. It it, it doesn't usually keep us going. And our theme verse for this series is something the Apostle Paul told Jesus' followers in the ancient city of Rome in the first century when he was instructing them on how to start forming good habits in their lives. And this is what he said in Romans 12, verse 2, and this is out of the message paraphrase. He said, well, now watch this, he said, fix your attention on God, which if, if, if you're here this morning, then you're, you're, you're obviously trying to do this as, as best as you understand it thus far. But see, that the difference is, and see, this is why 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day. Most resolutions target change from the outside in. And change from the outside in seldom lasts for very long. Here, Paul tells us that if you want lasting change, you need to fix your eyes on God, focus on those things that he's called you to do. And if you'll do that, now watch closely this next statement, you'll be changed from the inside out. In other words, he'll change your heart, he'll change your motivation, he'll he'll change your, your desires. And he says, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And I'm going to let you know that not only does God want to bring the best out of you, so also do we here at Family Church, we are committed to bringing the best out of you. And if you will let us, if you'll allow us to walk this journey with you, we believe it will happen. And this journey to bring the best out of you begins with taking some steps, and Kyle referenced them, these, these, these next steps, And they teach us in our next class. These four steps, know God, we believe that this journey begins by establishing a personal relationship with the God who created you. Finding freedom, the next step is settling your yesterdays, right? And and settling them once and for all. And the only way that that's going to happen conclusively is by the power of your Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. So know God, find freedom, and then the next step is to discover your purpose. The two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and then the day you find out why. And we believe the why is to make a difference, and that's the fourth step. And to do this is going to take what the Apostle Paul called well-formed maturity, which is really just good spiritual habits. That's what he's talking about there, that, that, that well-formed maturity, that's just a reference to, to, to good habits. So in this series, we're looking at three specific habits to address. There's a whole lot more that we could do, but we just targeted these three. Last week, we began the series looking at controlling your thoughts. That that's the first habit to address, controlling your thoughts. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about this. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I would encourage you to do so. Go to our website and pull it up or our podcast. The second habit that we're going to talk about this morning, and maybe you never really thought about this being a habit, but is keep your life aligned with God's purpose. See, you, me, we all need to keep our lives aligned with why we're here on this planet in the first place. Early last summer, during the Wellsville citywide garage sale, Sue and I were out doing some shopping, just kind of seeing what absolutely got to have, can't do without bargains that we could come across. And so I, f- I found this pair of sandals, and they, you know, they were really pretty sharp-looking sandals, looked almost brand new. And so, uh, and so I bought them because you know I knew we were going to be having a family vacation a few, couple weeks later, and I thought it'd be nice to have some some sandals to wear. Now, what I didn't realize was that these sandals had very little arch support. So. About a month later, I, I noticed as I was uh, walking along that I kind of had a slight limp because my heel was, was, was real tender. And then a few days after that, that, that slight limp became a very noticeable and painful limp. And it turns out I had plantar fasciitis. I had never heard of it. Anyone ever had plantar fasciitis? Really? See, I I never even heard of that. I asked Dana. I, I asked Dana because I'm, I'm telling her these symptoms. And she said, "Oh, that's plantar fasciitis." I, th- I thought she was speaking in tongues. I'd I never heard of plantar fasciitis. What that was, right? Now the interesting thing here here here's the thing. Sue says, "You know, you should go see Nicole, uh, the the chiropractor." And so I thought, "Nah, I don't want to go see." Her. So finally, I, I said, "You know what? I got to do something because this isn't getting any better." So I go see Nicole. So I'm, I'm laying there on the table, and I'm kind of telling her the story, you know, how ah, I bought these sandals, and, you know, yeah, we did a lot of walking on the family vacation, and someone mentioned something about plantar fasciitis. As I'm telling her this story, she starts out, and she's kind of manipulating up here in my upper shoulder. And, and, and I didn't tell her this, but I'm sitting there thinking, no, 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 sis, it's, it's, down, it's down on my heel standing on my heel. So I'm, I'm continuing to, you know, t- tell her about the, you know, you know, how I got these sandals and all this walking. She gradually moved down to the, my, the middle of my back and started doing some manipulating there, and I'm getting frustrated, and I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to tell her how to do her job, but I said, no, 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 it's down further. It's kind of that game you play where you hide something, and then you tell them you get, yeah, cold, warm, warm, hot, hot, you know, and it's so, you know, she's getting warm. She's getting closer. She finally got down to my calf. She finally got down to my foot, and I'm thinking, Finally, she got to my foot, but she didn't address my heel. She, she started manipulating the top front of my foot. I'm like, no, 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 it's heel, H-E-E-L. It, it is my heel. Now, the interesting thing about our spine is how we can have pain in one place, but the problem will show up in another place. So as I'm talking to Nicole and, and, and you know, kind of telling her the story, and, and see, this is what, she knew, she understood what I didn't understand at that time. She knew that I was dealing with something, because i never heard of this before, she told me this, it's called referred pain. And referred pain is when your pain is in one place, but the problem is in another. And in and, and, and many ways, that kind of sums up our emotional and mental pain as well. I never really thought about it from that perspective before. But isn't, isn't it kind of like that, where, where, where the source of our pain is in one place, but the problem is really a completely different place. And with referred pain, what we need to understand is our pain is not the problem. Our pain is not the problem. If your life is out of alignment with God's purpose, I'm telling you, folks, that's going to show up in some area of your life or areas of your life eventually, sooner or, or later. And when people don't understand that, then they're going to look to some other things, to address the pain. And so you get, instead of addressing the root problem of the pain, you, know, you got people that will self-medicate, you got people that will start looking to unhealthy relationships, anything that will distract them from the source of the pain. You know, I can't think of anything more important that brings definition to how you spend your money, how, how you live your marriage, how you raise your children, how you do your job. Nothing brings more clarity in these areas than knowing why you were put on this planet in the first place. That's why one of the priorities of Family Church is to help you discover your purpose. And look, hey, I've been doing this a long time, people. I've been doing this a long time. And one thing I've discovered is the best way to pastor people is not by helping them solve their problems, but by helping them find their purpose. Because once they find their purpose, then the problems kind of begin to take care of themselves eventually. And just like you can have referred pain physically, so also can you have referred pain spiritually And just like Nicole, one of my challenges is trying to convince people that, look, I know it hurts there, but but the problem's really over here. The problem's really over there, right? You need to get yourself, you need to get your life aligned with God's plan and purpose because once you start doing that, I think you'll start finding that that pain will go away. Now, why is this even important? I'll tell you what. Here's three reasons why we need to understand this. Number one, because you have a purpose, You have a purpose. Every single one of you have a specific, uniquely designed purpose tailor-suited to you, meaning your life will never make complete sense and you're going to have chronic problems in other areas of your life until you begin to align your life around your God-given purpose. David actually approached this truth, this reality, from a little bit different perspective. He kind of took a more poetic, philosophical approach when he said this in Psalm 139, 16. He said, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, if you're like me, you probably read that, and you're probably thinking, well, if that's the case, then I'm pretty sure I royally screwed up my book because I put some chapters in there that I'm sure God didn't want in there. And if that's you, let me just say, welcome to the party, because pretty much all of us have done that. That's the bad news. The good news is God has this unique ability to take whatever chapter he's written and make it fit seamlessly in with those bad chapters that we've written. In fact, he, he, he can actually lose the, or, or use the, 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 the bad chapters to, to help us and bring encouragement to other people. It's called our testimony. That's why we have a testimony. So God has a way of taking those bad chapters that we've written and actually use them to serve his kingdom. You know, when Facebook was only a couple years old Mark Zuckerberg, who was the founder of Facebook, he actually received an offer from Yahoo to buy them out for a billion, billion dollars with a B. That's that's the number one followed by nine zeros. Now, most business analysts thought such an offer was a no-brainer. Man, you take the money and run on that, Mark, right? Against the advice of his board of directors, Zuckerberg didn't take the money and he didn't sell Facebook. So when he was told, hey man, imagine what you can do with all that money, here, here was his reply. Listen to this. Here was his reply when people said, man, just think of what, all you can do with that, all that money. He said, you know what, I just start another social media network like what I've already started. On this side of history, it's easy to see the wisdom of his decision. At that point, think about this, at that point, Facebook's success was far from inevitable. It, it, had, it hadn't even shown to profit yet within the first two years, right? Yet Zuckerberg who was only 22 at the time, had the presence of mind to turn down the easy money so that he could pursue what he considers to be his purpose in life. Can you imagine? Think about this. Can you imagine how your life would be if there was one thing in the world that matters more to you than a billion dollars? I don't know, but I'd like to try, right? Can you imagine? Can you imagine how that might affect the way that you schedule your time, plan out your day? Can you imagine how that would affect the way you go about doing your job? Can you imagine how that might affect the way you treat others? Our purpose is so much greater than most of us imagine. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said about our purpose in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He said, For we are God's handiwork. Interesting word. He says, And he's saying, You are uniquely created. You are your own masterpiece in that there's only one of you in this world, and there's only one of me in this world. Created in Christ Jesus To do what? To do what? To just exist? To go to work, pay bills, go to school, take vacations? No. You were created to do good works which God prepared, and then this next word here, in advance for us to do. Wow. Think about that statement. In other words, what he's saying here, God created your purpose before he created you. Thank you, Martin. The one person got that. God created your purpose before he created you. You. And if that's true, if that's true, then we need to live by design, not by default. We need to live by design, not by default. In other words, don't let life define you. You need to define life by pursuing God's purpose, by getting your life in alignment with God's purpose. So this is important because you have a purpose. The second reason this is important to know is because. There is competition for my time and attention, and there's competition for your time and attention. Every day, every day we're surrounded by things that are competing for our time and attention. And not all those things are bad. I mean, to be honest, not all those things are bad in and of themselves. We just need to be careful that we don't let those things come between us and our God-given purpose. Because like the commercial says, credit card companies, they want to know what's in your wallet. They do. And if we'll let them Right? If, if we'll let someone else define our life, they will. They will define our life. Or, or it will. Right? And the truth is, most of us are probably doing or trying to do too much. It doesn't happen overnight. right? It just happens slowly and subtly. And before we know it, we've added things to our life that really probably shouldn't be there. And culture pushes us this way. Because we live in North America where more is better. Right? More is better in North America. If $1 is good, $2 are better. If one taco is good, two tacos are better. If one car is good, two cars are... If one kid is good, two kids are... ah, Some of you hesitated. Some of you hesitated. right? If one wife is good, two wives are... Wrong! We're going to talk about that in our next series. Not, Not having two wives, but relationships. We're going to be talking about that. Reminds me of the story about the seminary student who asked his professor why Solomon had so many wives. The professor said, you know, Solomon married all those women because he was hoping that with that many wives, when he got home each evening, surely one of them would be in a good mood. <laughs> I know, that, that was wrong, that was wrong. I repent, I'm sorry. I, I promise I won't say that again until next time I preach this message. So, Seriously, here's a quote that you should commit to memory. An overwhelmed schedule will often produce an underwhelmed soul. I'm telling you, some of you are trying to deal with your problem the wrong way. You've got referred pain, and the only way your problem will ultimately be dealt with is by getting your your life back in alignment with God's plan and God's purpose. Solomon, again, the wisest man who ever lived, the Bible tells us, said this in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil toil. And chasing the wind. Solomon says, you know what? We'd be much better off not seeking more but being content with one handful than just wearing ourselves out, getting worn slick, trying to get two handfuls. See, this is important for us to know because you have a purpose. This is important to know because we need to live by design and not by default. And the third reason that this habit is important to learn is because time is short. Time is short. Reality is you are one day closer to the end of your life than you were yesterday. Doesn't that just bless you? Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Let's pray and go eat, right? Seriously, you are one day closer to the end of your life than you were yesterday. But this truth really applies in a couple of different ways. It applies to your life individually, yes. It does apply that way. But it also applies to the chronological time of the end of the ages. And look, I don't People have been saying this, my grandma, my great-grandma, your grandma, your great-grandma. They've been saying for years and years and years, Jesus could come back any day. And he could. But come on, you guys watch the news. You you live in this day and age. If we've been living in the last days, no question, we are in the last of the last days right now. That's That's just the reality. That's just the reality. And because time is short. Because time is short, we don't have the luxury of living a carefree business as usual life. James, the brother of Jesus, put it this way in James chapter 4. He said, come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. In other words, just like, you know, just like life casually comes to you, you just kind of roll with the punches, right? No real sense of urgency or purpose. Verse 14, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then, poof, it's gone. It's gone. See, we're not even promised tomorrow, are we? We're not even promised tomorrow. Verse 15, instead, he says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. In other words, I really don't have the time. You don't have the time to take a casual approach to life. I need to find my purpose. You need to find your purpose. We need to be finding and doing the Lord's will. What's James saying here? He's not saying that it's wrong to make plans or to engage in, in business. It's, it's not even wrong to expect a profit. In fact, if you're starting a business, you better plan in advance and You better expect a profit or you're not going to be in business for very long. That's not the problem. James is speaking against the arrogant attitude that causes us to think that we're the masters of our own universe. Right? That, that we're in control of our destiny and that we can live our lives however we want. Go here, go there, do whatever we want. We don't reject God. It's, you know, we, we relate to God on an as-needed basis. You know, if, if I need you, God, I'll, I'll let you know. James says, "Man, you can't afford to live your life that way. You cannot afford to live your life that way, Because right? when you find yourself doing that, what's what you've done is you, your life's getting out of alignment with God. At some point." Your life is out of alignment with God and God's Word. So real quick, four things that will help you get your lives aligned with God's purpose. Number one, decide what's important. Decide what's important. See, here's the deal. For many of you, your life isn't being defined by what's important, by, by, but by what's urgent. By what's urgent. You know? And, and, and sometimes, sometimes those things become blurred to us, what's important and what's urgent. Because not everything important is urgent, and not everything urgent is important. We can't afford to allow our priorities to get out of whack or to use our word that we're using here, out of alignment. We can't afford to do that. It's like the guy that got the Super Bowl coming up here in a couple of weeks, right? It's like the guy who was at the Super Bowl one year and he had great, like, 50-yard line seats. I mean, primo seats, 50-yard line, about halfway up, right? And so he was sitting there and there was an empty seat next to him and then there was a guy on the other side. And the guy on the other side happens, you know, the, you know, the game's going on and, and finally he says, hey, he says, is, is this your seat? He said, yeah. He said, it was, actually, it was actually my wife's, but, um, but she, she passed away. And the guy said, oh, I'm so sorry. Here He said, man, that, that's awful nice of you to kind of honor her by, you know, keeping that seat for her. But he said, you know, these tickets are pretty expensive. He said, you know, could, could, what, couldn't you find someone else in your family that, that would want to use the, the, the seat? The guy said, no. And the guy said, why? And he said, because they're all at the funeral. <laughs> Come on, you know that's funny. Come on. How I many you know that guy had his priorities out of whack? <laughs> the Apostle Paul tells us how he viewed his priorities in his letter to the church at Philippi, Philippians three, verse seven. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Literal translation: The things I used to think were important, the closer I've got to Jesus and discovered my purpose for living, I realized they weren't that important at all. They really weren't. Right? Verse eight. Yes. Everything else is, here's our word again, worthless when compared with the infinite value. Look at that, with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Infinite meaning it never ends. See, knowing Christ personally is the gift that keeps on giving. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Put those two verses together, and basically Paul's saying, you know, I used to think I knew what living was all about. But after coming to know Jesus and really discovering his purpose and getting my life in alignment with his plan and purpose, man, that's when I found out what true living really is. And I'm going to tell you, dear ones, you cannot discover his purpose by sitting on the edge of church, dipping your toe in just a little bit in the, in the shallow end, so to speak, every now and then. Now, if you, really want to, if you really want to know his purpose, you've got to jump in the deep end. But that's scary. It sure is scary. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us. You cannot discover his purpose by sitting on the edge. No. God's purpose is only realized by jumping in and trusting him. Is it scary? Yes. But is it worth it? Ask Paul. Was it worth it, Paul? Paul says, are you kidding? It's not just worth it. It's of infinite value. So decide what's important. Second, give calendar time to the important things. See, if you say you value something but don't schedule for it, Come on, is it really important to you? Is it really of value to you? If you value your marriage, that should be reflected on your calendar with date nights or weekend getaways. If you value your family, that should be reflected on your calendar with time away with your family. The psalmist, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to, now watch this last statement, spend them as we should. And that as we should is by fulfilling our God-designed purpose. That's how we do that. So how exactly do we number our days and spend them as we should? By recognizing the significance of three principles. First of all, you need to recognize the significance of one. And this is just the principle of appreciation. Just learning to appreciate each day that you've been given on this planet. Because, see, everything's made up of ones. If you have a million dollars, that is one million, one dollar bills, right? Everything is made up of ones. See, this is what we need to do in our attitude towards every single day. Each one matters. There's no throwaway days in the Christian life. There are no days that you can just coast. No, each day is significant in the Christian life because each day has eternal significance. That's why it's huge. That's why it's important. Second thing you need to recognize is the significance of two. Recognize the significance of one, that's appreciation. The significance of two, I'm talking about repetition, repetition. In the Christian life, if something is important enough to do once, it's important enough to do twice. There's nothing about the Christian life that makes it a one-and-done experience. And then three, recognize the significance of three. What's the significance of three? The significance of three demonstrates the principle, principle of momentum, momentum. It is in the momentum of living one good day after another, step by step by step. That's when we experience the greatest victories. This is why King Solomon said this in Proverbs 13, verse 4, The soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Proverbs 12 verse 25, the hand of the, here's our word again, diligent will rule. See, diligence is just another word for consistency and consistency is what builds momentum. So real quick, before we move on, three areas of your life that you need to make time for and start putting on your calendar. First, make time for renewal. See, this is something we need to be intentional about because everything pushes us away from doing this. This is probably for another sermon about keeping the Sabbath. But but here's how the Apostle Paul addressed this truth in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. How do you do that? How do you do that, Paul? I want to know because sometimes I feel like I'm losing heart, wasting away. How do you do that, Paul? Paul says the way that you keep from losing heart and getting discouraged and feeling like you're spinning your wheels or going nowhere, like you're wasting away, is by yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day make time for renewal dear ones it's not just it's not just it's not just renewal you also need to make time for relationships make time for relationships after choosing to surrender your life to god the next most important decision you'll ever make are the people you choose to surround yourself with we're actually going to just we're going to talk about this at length next that's going to be the final habit we're going to talk about next week our friends the people that we choose to hang out with right so you need to make sure that you surround yourself with people who will help you and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Make time for renewal. Make time for relationships. And then make time for reward. Reward. Do something that will bring you some, some heavenly rewards. See, every single one of you, you're going to stand before God one day. And, and part of my job as your pastor is to help prepare and equip you for that day when you stand before the Lord. Because it's, you're going to be taking an exam. It's a two-question exam. It's a two-question exam. God's going to ask you two questions, all right? The first question is, what did you do with my son? What did you do with Jesus Christ, all right? And the second question is, what did you do with the gifts and talents that I created you with? How much did you leverage the life that I gave you? And the best way to leverage your life for God and his kingdom is by living your life on purpose, in alignment with God's plan, making a difference in other people's lives. And see, here's what you need to know. If you'll do this, if you'll begin living your life this way, you'll actually get more out of life than the people who aren't living their life that way. It's true. I promise you it's true. And, and if you've done that, if you're doing that, you know that. Ask, ask Natalie and Jessica back in Family Kids. I mean, that can be brutal sometimes. But at the end of the day, if there's something fulfilling about that, ask Zach and Dan, ask uh, Lauren and, 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 and Sam up here and, and some of our praise team. I mean, Sometimes, yeah, it can be a challenge because, you know, when, when, when tech's working, it's good. But when tech's not working, it's bad. But even in spite of all that, when, when, when you, at the end of the day, when you know that you've made a difference, our first impressions team, Lori and all those that work faithfully with her, sometimes standing out there in, in you, know, mind, you know, wind chill minus two, you know, waving at you with icicles coming down from there, right, you know? But still, at the end of the day, there's just something very rewarding and fulfilling about that, right? Invest your life in others as you begin because that's part of getting your life aligned with God. I guarantee you at some point that's part of it and we need to understand that. Listen to what Solomon said about living a purposeless life because he did. For a while, he did. Ecclesiastes 1.14, he says, I've seen all the things that are done under the sun and he wasn't kidding. I mean, seriously, if anyone could say that they've done it all and said, you know, whatever, anyone could say that they've experienced it all, it was Solomon because he had the resources to do that. He had the connections and resources to do that. He did it all. And listen to his assessment. Having done it all, having spent it all, traveled all those places, all those women, drank it all, having done all of that, you know what he found out? Here's what he said. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Don't let your life be defined that way because sadly, many people do. How you choose to live each day matters. So how do we get our lives aligned with God's word and God's will? Decide what's important. Give calendar time or schedule the important things. The third thing you need to do if you want to get your life in alignment with God's plan and purpose is eliminate the non-essentials. Eliminate the non-essentials. And this is going to look a little bit different for, for most of us, but we all have some non-essentials that tend to clutter up our lives that we probably need to get rid of. Things that, yeah, they're, they're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but, you know, they they they... they if you, if you step back and take a look at it, your life's not really better because of it necessarily, right? Some of you need to make a not-to-do list, but a not-to-do list. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way, Hebrews 12, verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You know, back when our children were younger, they were involved in sports and uh, after a few years of going through that cycle of, you know, because it was soccer in the fall, basketball in the winter, baseball and t-ball in the spring, you know, and summer. And so it was just, you know, uh, wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. And, you know, some, that could kind of run you ragged, you know, especially, you know, when you, had, you know, we got, we had five kids, you know, four the four boys were all playing. And, of course, they're at different, they're different ages. So, you know, w- you know one day Sue would be at Eudora and, and I'd be over at Spring Hill or something like that because you're going all these different places. Finally, we put our foot down and said, all right, guys, you can pick two. You can pick Two out of the three sports, right? And it was fine, you know, they're still alive, right? Did that hurt you, Kyle? No, <laughs> not too bad, right? You know, you know you're too busy when, you, when, when Sue says, it's time for dinner, and the kids all jump in the Suburban, because we've spent so much of our life, you know, in that Suburban, driving around, going to games, and so forth and so on. So, decide what's important. Give calendar time to the important things. Eliminate the non-essentials. And then to get yourself aligned with God, you need to regularly take inventory. And I can't think of any better day to maybe sometime this afternoon, maybe even on the way home. Pause, step back, and ask yourself this question. Where is my life out of alignment? Where is my life out of alignment? Think about what's going on in your life right now. Those things that Maybe them bugging you, nagging you, things that you just can't seem to shake. Could it be, could it be that those things are the result of your your life being out of alignment with God's plan and purpose for your life? As you seek to get yourself aligned with God, ask him to remind you, just like King David did in Psalm 39, verse 4. He said, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. I'm telling you, dear ones, if you'll begin to do these things to get your life back in alignment in alignment or back in alignment with God's plan, it will be the most important habit that you've ever learned. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Lord, I do pray that you would forgive us, those of us that have allowed ourselves to, uh, not intentionally maybe, but we have allowed our lives to get out of alignment with your word and and your purpose. I pray that you would forgive us for that. Forgive us for all the things we've done, thinking that we were dealing with the problem but we were just addressing the referred pain, not realizing that it was an alignment problem. So forgive us forgive us and help us get back in alignment with you and your plan and purpose for our lives. And for some of you, it's not just your life that's out of alignment. It might be your soul. Maybe your soul's out of alignment. Some of you need to take inventory of your soul. You need to ask yourself this question, am I, am I, am I really ready to meet Jesus? I mean, I believe ready to meet him. Please don't make the assumption that you've got plenty of time to get get that straightened out. We already saw that our our lives are fleeting and we're not we're not promised tomorrow. No one's promised tomorrow. But I'll tell you what we are promised. I'll tell you what we are guaranteed. We're guaranteed eternal life if we will surrender our heart and our life to Jesus. So if you're here this morning and you you need to get your life in alignment with God or back in alignment I'd like to I'd like to lead you in a prayer where that can happen. I'm going to lead you in this prayer but you need to own it. You need to own it you need to pray it and mean it. Pray this prayer like you've never prayed a prayer before just say, Lord, I really do want to follow you. I, I don't want to just know what your plan is for me. I want to begin pursuing that plan. I want to know my purpose, your purpose for my life. So, so forgive me of my sins. All those things I've done that have separated me from you, got me out of alignment with your plan and purpose. Forgive me, change me. Help me begin living my life in alignment with you and your purpose from this day forward. In Jesus' name.